0: Alright, so I'll introduce myself first. I'm Jeremiah Hunt. Um, I live here in the Columbus area. I live in Sunbury. Uh, I teach high school, not too far from here, up up the road a little bit on the east side of Columbus in New Albany. So I teach uh, U.S. History this year, and then I'm also teaching Humanities. And I attend church at Radiant Life Church, which is over in Dublin, and help out
1: with Royal Rangers, um, and Ranger kids. Rangers, kids, oh, the wrong class, so Oh, you're to good.
0: Down. Come on in. Come on that.
1: in. up front. That's
0: right. All right here.
1: That's right. black memories. So. Um, Not up front. I've grown up in the Royal Rangers and so forth, so it's just it's a true. real passion in the heart to uh, the young men come to come the Lord.
0: So. I'll let either Billy or Aaron. Who wants to go next? You want me to go next?
2: I'm Aaron Snyder, Senior Commander at Outpost 206 in Dublin Radio Life Church, same place Jeremiah goes. i been doing Rangers uh, quite a while. You'll we'll hear a little bit more about that in my presentation. Um, just enjoy working with boys, but uh, my ministry is moving more toward men. The later, the later I'm into it, trying to get men more involved in Rangers, actually more involved in the church in general. So, you know, so that's where I'm at now, and that'll be part of my presentation,
3: so, but I've been here for quite a while. I'm uh, Billy Powell. I'm uh, the senior commander from Outpost uh, 235 in uh Clinton, Ohio, the Erie to Assembly of
2: I'm also a product of Royal Rangers. Um, this is my 27th year in Royal Rangers. Um, i four years old, you can do math. now Share
0: a little bit more about yourself. When we're ready. And so, we gave you, two, just a couple of handouts,
1: our PowerPoint that we'll kind of be going through. We just gave you a printout. Um, I put out up this What I do with my kids at school. So, if you want to jot
0: anything down right, to have some notes to yourself as you walk away today, you got that. <laughs> and then, also, too, I printed up uh, this infographic that kind of goes with the first four slides,
1: or the first four or five there, Started on my part, and um, so you got some of your answers as well. So, some interesting statistics there on what young men face currently here in the twenty-first century.
0: So, just to start us off, before we get into everything, I want to start you off with a video here. This is a video because a lot of times you wonder why why should we invest in mentoring well, my first young men.
1: Of so, was uh, that uh, first of all he was uh, a, a big kid for his age and uh a bit awkward but uh he had a real heart for the Lord really wanted to serve the Lord, a real determination to serve the Lord. Commander Virgil was uh, critical and very important. Sorry. <coughs> One my life. Uh my father had, uh, was working three jobs uh, and uh a lower income industry really filled an essential gap in my life. And uh, he not only was my commander, he became my father. Uh, Wes was, uh, you know, had some difficulty in some of the areas, and so I worked with him uh, on those advancements, and particularly in the area of uh, uh, the written work. It, it was a bit of a challenge for Wes. Lower Rangers helped you develop spiritually. Uh, Lord Rangers had the Bible as a central, uh, bedrock for I could tell from the very beginning that Wes was serious about his faith and, uh, really wanted to serve the Lord to the best of his ability. And I think by going through the Bible studies, uh, it helped Wes with his spiritual You know, at the beginning, I, I was, told, I didn't sit in. You know, I was the, um, uh, the kid that was often kind of picked last for dodgeball. Uh, the boys had a tendency to pick on Wes because of his size and uh, the fact that he was not necessarily athletic of his abilities. Sometimes I felt lonely. Um, uh, I felt left out. And, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, the would always help me, help me with was, uh, integrating myself with the other boys, uh, developing the sense of identity, uh, and so I could see, as time progressed, that he was able to grow in terms of his patience, in terms of his self-control, uh, as uh, he interacted with the other boys and, for that matter, interacted with the other leaders. You know, the academics, for me, was important because, you know, obviously, going on the Bible college and tenure, um, again, that foundation was laid. Royal Rangers really helped West grow mentally. Uh, it, it helped him as he set a goal to earn the gold medal of achievement. Well, it was always tricky. And, uh, that seemed to be the attention of a lot of people. Um, still, through the day, it's kind of, uh, something that people notice. I think Royal Rangers helped, uh, uh, West in terms of developing physically. In terms of all the achievements, uh, he, he never uh, shrunk back from any requirement. The, the culmination of his physical achievement came through his service in the Marines. He told me once that uh, he joined the Marines because he wanted to prove to his family and everyone else that he was tough enough to be a Marine. More Rangers did help me find my career, and I would even go a step farther and say it's helped me find my calling. I always felt that uh, Wes um, was a special boy and that, uh, as I said earlier, he was curious about his faith in Jesus Christ. If there was one thing that I would say that the Randy ministry helped me with, was how to do that. Because I think that, that's so important. There's a lot of voices to A boy needs to know the voice of God. I really feel it's extremely important that men work with boys in a settings. setting, that men mentor boys, uh, that men care about boys, that uh, men set the example for boys. I'm a product of Laura Ingres, uh, and how I am as a father, um, and how I am as a man, and how I stand on my children is directly responsible for what we didn't have an ideal family situation at the time. And I'd like to believe that I was a father figure and mentor for that during those formative years. Essentially, uh, I'm a missionary, and I'm a missionary to our military men who are called Navy SEALs. Uh, I have served with Marines and on ships, but this is my current assignment. It's uh, very gratifying to look back and see that those, those things you did, 10, 20, 30 years ago are having a positive impact on individuals. And Wes is a great example of that type of positive impact. Here Mary, if you're a you're watching this video, I want to encourage you that when you mentor a boy, you're consistent, and you want to I want you to never discount a boy that might be quiet while a certain trying to good in. You never know who you're talking to. My challenge to you is to be a mentor. Uh, it's extremely important that you work with these boys, show kindness and a caring attitude towards them. Be consistent in your walk with the Lord. Be consistent as you work with them week in and week out. And be an encourager and cheer them on, not only in the range of programs, but in their walk with the Lord. Um,
0: so I picked that video just to start off because I felt like it, in a nutshell, kind of explains or kind of gives a good illustration on, um, you know, what we're what we do with here in Royal Rangers as far as mentoring young men, and also too, I think uh, West Motter, if I'm not mistaken, he is also a senior pastor of a church in Chicago. Is that correct? Yeah. So besides everything he's done with the military and everything, there, he's also a senior pastor. So it kind of shows you the you know, the results of Royal Rangers and mentoring young men. Um, our first slide here, just some learning objectives, some of the things we're going to talk about today. My part is just to go over, identify, and understand some of the challenges that boys and young men face in the 21st century. So that'll be the first section that we'll talk about. What are the things that boys today are currently facing? Because it is different than what it was even when I was growing up, you know, in the 90s or whatever, and even before that. And then um, Billy's going to talk about, too, a little bit about uh, analyzing the importance of gender-specific ministry and mentoring. So he'll talk about why it's important uh, to have that gender-specific ministry. And then Aaron's going to talk about uh, analyzing why the church in the 21st century or must effectively mentor boys and young men to follow Jesus into compelling manhood. And then lastly, Billy's going to come back and talk about what we're doing in Ohio here in our district, our network, uh, through the academy to uh, build leadership into uh, young men. So just to kind of give you an overview of what we're going through here today a little bit. Okay, So as you guys know, boys in the 21st century, they're facing a lot of challenges, a lot of distractions, a lot of... Um, Things that they have to deal with on their journey to manhood, and there's as we talk about Royal Rangers, a boy grows four ways, right? Mentally, physically, spiritually, socially. So I'm going to just kind of highlight here in this first part what are those mental, physical, spiritual, and social challenges that boys uh, face today? And I'll be honest, when I was looking at a lot of the stuff, you know, I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. Someone's got a pastor and everything. I grew up in Royal Rangers, and just seeing, and I teach high school. So I see a lot of what uh, young men, you know, deal with on a daily basis, being in the high school setting every day. But just looking at some of this, it was kind of got my attention as well. So, we go. First off, on the mental side here, you can take a look there, and on that infographic, it's the same thing. But you guys can take a look at. I won't read it to you. But if you take a look at that, is there any numbers that kind of maybe uh, jump out to you there when you see that? First, stat there about um, challenges that boys face mentally. You look at what they're going through in school, three times more likely to be treated for ADHD. What? Why
1: what, what is that? Why is that? Three times more. I mean, I've got eight out of ten more going through that. Wow.
0: Well, I think boys, you know, we learn a little bit differently. Boys are more. Active-oriented, which we're going to talk about, how action-oriented, and they want hands-on, uh, visual learners doing stuff. So I think um, being able to educate in that sort of way. Um, and the same thing, you know, you look at some of the other stats there as far as the grades and uh, learning disorders and so forth. You know, and over the last, you know, today in our society, you see too that besides those stats, and a lot of the information I got came from. Which is a book off the Ranger website searching for Tom Sawyer. Maybe some of you guys have read this. I was reading this out, putting this together. But um, he brought out some other things, which is that more girls and boys take the SAT, um, more girls and boys go to college prep, take college prep high school classes. So you see a lot of ways in which uh, boys are kind of falling behind a little bit. And then also physical and social. That one over there to the right, you know, 40% or more of boys will spend at least a part of their growing up years without a dad. And in an urban area, that number jumps even higher to 70%. Like I said, those numbers come from this book, Searching for Tom Sawyer. Um, but that was pretty shocking, too, to, to see that how many boys are in a fatherless um, home situation. Or they have a male figure, but it may not be their father yet.
1: And I think that number doesn't really count those dads who are there but not. You know, the, the work
0: absentee fathers in and whatever. This country is such that a lot of men that are not really engaged with their, their sons. So that probably just counts the ones that
1: are physically absent. Right. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had probably in the last 10 years I've had more boys that don't have them. Yeah. Four years, last ten.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. that that figure is real. Yeah, yes, it is.
0: And I know we were in an earlier session with uh, Pastor Deal. He was talking about the number percentage of boys that are in the juvenile system being above ninety percent, which is something that that mentioned in this book as well. How high that number was, and that's where that that stat comes from. So that was pretty shocking too to see that spiritual. That first one jumped out to me when I was reading it, that over 70% of the boys who are being raised in church will abandon it in their, tw- in their teens and 20s, and many of them will never return. So that was pretty shocking. I think that kind of just illustrates and highlights the importance in today's society and world, why we need that discipleship and mentoring going on, so that when that boy gets to be in their teens and 20s and the challenges they face during those years that they've seen you know, from another godly man, what it is to be be a godly man, and they have that kind of, I guess, uh, circle of men to kind of rely upon during those years. That's that, that very very important. So some interesting stats, you know, when you look at that physically, mentally, spiritually, socially. Another thing too is change in culture. Um, the book talks about this was a little interesting. The book talked about how in the '60s and '70s you saw more of a gap between boys and girls. And then um, as we moved into the 80s and 90s, you see society and culture kind of pushing the idea of boys and girls being uh, the same, right? So we get boys and girls are the same, and what that kind of leads to and what the impact of that is on boys. And then by the year, you know, as we get into the 2000 and present there, we see now more of a push for the, the gender neutral kind of thing in society and in culture. Um, the book point out is interesting. An article of a church, not church, but a school in Sweden, because of the whole fear of gender stereotyping and gender bias, that they refer to the kids when they come in as friends. They won't use boy or girl, he or she, and um, so that the, the society's vision and things has really gotten more and more. Um, over <coughs> the
1: past fifty years, the culture. Family unit. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So we see that that difference, you know, that change in this cultural in the culture. And so, to kind of get a correct vision, right? We we'll go back to Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. Um, in order to get that correct view and understanding of how God made us, we got to look at the Bible. So, very basic scripture verse right there at the beginning, but as you look at it, there's two very important points that are made, which is, first off, male and female, right? Male and female were created in the image of God. Boys and girls are equally, okay, boys and girls are equally in the image of God, and we need both a male and female to get a full picture of God. Okay, this was a point that I was, you know, pulled out here from the book. And then number two, too, God created... <coughs> God created humans, male and female, right? So although men and women are equal, they are different, which Aaron's going to talk about the different ways in which boys learn, right? Maybe we have boy. I have an eight-year-old son, okay? We just have one child, uh, Andrew, he's eight. But, yeah, boys and girls are different, okay? equal but, but different. And God created boys and girls different. So kind of an interesting point, you know, point there. I want to throw one put one more video. This is kind of a humorous thing. Any of you guys heard of Tim Hawkins, Christian comedian? So, a little illustration, I guess, to kind of point out uh, the differences between girls and boys. It's only about a minute long. But it's true. I mean I got I got three boys and a girl. Boys and girls are totally
1: different. My boys are just violent. Girls are just dance everywhere. <laughs> Make a bowl of cereal. <laughs> They're adorable. Boys are violent, man. Even when a boy likes a girl, he's violent. You ever see a little boy at a public pool? He likes a girl, he's like dumping her under. <laughs> Sticking her head in the filter. Oh, yeah, you are the one for me, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Ever see a little boy smitten with a girl? It's hilarious. He's like, look at her, she's amazing. I must have her in my life. She is my day. She is my night. She is my power. What? I must prove my love for her to her forever. So with all my heart, and with all my soul, and with all my might, I shall throw this rocket her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and as the blood trickles down her
1: temple, she will know the depths of my affection. If she survives, we will be wed. Girl, find your mark be
0: Find your mark. So, boys and girls differ, right? Learn, learn differently, act differently. Um, so, I just thought I thought that was funny. He always cracks me up when I watch a lot of his videos. Um, the next slide here. So, as we think about boys and mentoring them, um, this was a really good quote from the author here, this Tim Wright from Searching for Tom Sawyer. He says, To invite boys to utilize their power to join Jesus in building the kingdom of God, a kingdom of grace, compassion, forgiveness, justice, and love. That happens when we call boys to follow Jesus when we call them, sorry, I'm trying to read from a far away. this is a long way back, call them to, an, and here's the key, an action-oriented form of
1: discipleship.
0: So that action-oriented, which part of what we are doing, in Royal Rangers is, it's action-oriented. In those scripture verses I listed there, we see that when Jesus calls the disciples, you know, he's teaching them as they go, right? And he called them, come follow me. And as you go through those scripture verses, you'll see a key phrase in almost each and every one, which is either the phrase go or the phrase do. So as he heals, he wants them to heal, right? As he uh, raises from the dead, he tells them to raise from the dead. And so it's an action-oriented form of discipleship. And we see what he, you know, what happened with uh, those disciples that he called. So God's vision of compelling manhood is that action oriented. Right. So those just that other slide's just a couple of quotes that I threw in there from the book as well that I thought kind of hit on it really well.
3: So I got a little bit of a challenge for you. That's how I'm gonna talk about the value of gender specific ministry. What I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Nobody looking around, I'm not going to throw anything at you, don't worry about that. But I want you to think back to maybe that one person in your life that that had the most impact. Then I want you to think, why did they have the most impact? I want to tell you a quick story while, while you're doing that. Many of you know Doug Clay, or have heard the name. He's our general superintendent for the National Assemblies of God. When he was 11 years old, his father died of a heart attack. And a Royal Ranger commander stepped in and filled that void of a lost father. And he's a product of Royal Rangers. But I want to take you back to Scripture so you can open up your eyes and keep that person in the back of your mind. And in Titus chapter 2, we're given a command. It says, but as for you, teach what is fitting of sound doctrine. Older men should be sober, serious, temperate, sound in faith, and love and patience. Verse 3 says, likewise, older women women should be reverent in behavior and not be false. Accusers, not be enslaved to much wine, but teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, and be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. But most importantly, what I want you to focus on and listen most to is likewise exhort young men to be self-controlled. In all things, presenting yourself as an example of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, gravity, incorruptibility, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that the one who opposes you may not be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And the key to that, in that gender-specific ministry, is outlined in, chat in that, those few verses. Men and women are created differently. They're both given a job to do. I sat in the, the men's ministries earlier with Conan and his dad, and I was reminded how easily, as ministries, we can, we can forget what our purpose is. Royal Rangers is not just about mentoring boys. It's about mentoring men as well. Some of my most lasting friendships have been made in Royal Rangers. But it's because men took the time to invest in me. Took the time to invest in those other boys around us. And I want you to think about that, that we're given some very specific things to teach young men. And this is where the, the rubber meets the road. As men in the church... We're to be self controlled. We're to present ourselves as an example of good character, showing good works, showing integrity, incorruptibility, being sound in our speech. And we're commanded to do that. We're not commanded to do that to the young women in our church, we're commanded to do that for the young men in our church. My wife works with the girls' only girls' club. She's also the the girls' leader at the church. It's kind of interesting when you have a husband-wife team that does that. I have more teenage girls at my house most weeks than I care to think about. But I see the the value in what what my wife teaches them. And then in turn, she sees the value in what I do with my boys. Just as Jeremiah said that boys are action-packed. And you're going to learn a little bit of that from, from Commander Aaron as he gets up. They're, they want to be involved. They want to build something. They want to get out there and get dirty and do it. Hey, men, what do you like to do? Same thing, right? Build something. How many of you, okay, how many of you like to go to Starbucks, sit down, and have a good, long conversation? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. If there's coffee involved, right? but I want to show you a picture. A little hard to see, but Commander Aaron took this picture and and I didn't realize he took it when we were doing this. In this picture, you have myself, another commander, and we have uh, 12 boys. We worked these boys very hard during the day. This was our council fire time. We sat them around in a five-gallon bucket. We started talking. Just having an open conversation. And because this particular day we repelled for three hours at Heartland Conference Retreat Center. We took the time to teach them how to tie the knots. We took them the time to invest in them. We had one boy who could barely make it up the hill. And before I could get down the hill to help him, I had four other boys that partnered with him to pull him up that hill. And he was not a light young man. So the key to gender-specific ministry is is men being involved. I'm called as as a dad to minister to my two young girls. But I also have to rely on my wife and the women of our church to help them grow. But it's up to me to help the young men in our church grow, because not all of them have a father. As I bring this portion to close, I want to bring an article to your attention and I shared this, we had a meeting yesterday with all of our sectional area commanders, and I, and I, I shared this. And, and I'm a, a regional safety manager for a construction company. I teach active shooter training. And so I, I do a lot of research so that I can stay up on this training. And I came across an article on Fox News, and it's titled, The Desperate Cry of America's Boys. And it's written by Suzanne Venker. And before I read the article, my computer will work here. Suzanne Venker is the author of five books on marriage, feminism, and gender politics. Her latest book is The Alpha Female's Guide to Men in Marriage, How Love Works. This is the author of this, and I'm going to read a couple portions to you. Actually, I think I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. And uh, she wrote this and says, in response to this week's school shooting in Parkland, Florida, a man named Michael Black, whom I've never heard of, but was apparently an actor and a comedian, invited a conversation on Twitter that began with the following statement. Deeper even than the gun problem is this. Boys are broken. This is an absolutely 100% true statement. But unfortunately, he quickly veered off course. It says, men don't have the language to understand masculinity as anything other than some version of caveman because no language exists. The language of masculinity is hopelessly entwined with sexuality, and the language of sexuality is hopelessly entwined with power, agency, and self-worth. To step outside of those norms is to take a risk most of us are afraid to have or to take. As a result, a lot of guys spend their lives terrified We're terrified of being viewed as something other than men. We know ourselves to be men, but don't know how to be our whole selves. A lot of us, me included, either shut off or experience deep shame or rage. All three? Again, men are terrified. While Mr. Black is not the first to attack masculinity and suggest it's the root of all evil, indeed the phrase toxic masculinity has become boilerplate in the language of America. It's not hard to sell either. After all, it is boys and men who are typically to blame for violent acts of aggression. Mr. Black is correct that boys are broken, but they're not broken as a result of being cavemen who have not evolved the way women have. They're broken for another reason. They are fatherless. The solution to male violence is not to spot off drivel about the evils of masculinity. Masculinity channeled well is the reason assistant football coach Aaron Feast died this week. He shielded students from bullets by pushing them inside a classroom. Broken homes or homes without a, physic- a physically and emotionally present mother and father are the cause of most of society's ills. Unstable homes produce unstable children. Nicholas Cruz was no different. His adopted father died when he was very young, and his adoptive mother had a difficult time raising him. America's boys are in serious trouble. <clears throat> and you can find that article to finish reading it, but... I don't want to take up all Commander Heron's time. But I want you to think about who identified that. She's the author of five books on marriage, feminism, and gender politics. And to me, when I read that, it gave me some pretty bold marching orders. That... I better do my job. <laughs> it's time to time to get men's ministry back involved. It's a huge call for a men's ministry. Is to treat our young men like men, <clears throat> and to get back to the point where we fulfill what God has commanded us to do as men, and that's to pass on to the next generation. So I'm going to turn over Commander Aaron, and I'll come back and finish up.
2: All right- When's the best time to build a man when he's a boy? And we miss that an awful lot. that boys are just men in training. And it starts, the second they can start understanding your voice. And that's when we need to start with them. Whose respons- Whose responsibility is it to make or reproduce godly men? Most would say it's the father's responsibility, and they'd be correct. So isn't, <coughs> isn't it to teach his daughter how to be a lady is to teach her how a lady should be treated? Men, we've got two responsibilities here. We teach our daughters how to be ladies. But we better be teaching our sons to be men of God to treat that lady properly. We have a responsibility in both of those, male and female. So we don't want to lose the female side of our, tra- of, of our responsibility. We still have an important role in our homes if we have daughters. And that never goes away. But what if a father's not able to, willing, or is missing from the home, then who? It's time for the men of our church to step up. Today we allow society, media, technology, and technology to teach, train, and influence our young men with what their definition of right from wrong is, good from bad, and how to act. You see, women don't need our help. But a real man knows, and he wouldn't let her. They can do it, but a real man's going to step up and help her. You know that simple little act of opening a door? If you haven't learned it or figured it out, figure it out. Learn it. Make sure that women are important in our lives. Or not, or not act without considering God's definition of right from wrong, good from bad, and how... Oh, I've already read that. <laughs> uh, the definition of these. This has been lost, and we have to take this back. Media and technology has changed over the last 100 years or so. Boys have not. Boys are still boys. We need to treat them like boys. Their desires are the same... And they need godly men to shape those desires. In the home as well as out of the home. Today boys are taught they have a feminine side. And that's true. But it's not the defining attribute in their DNA. There is so much more. There's a lion. The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend the lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend himself. That's our boys. That's our boys, guys. A warrior, a soldier, a lover in that same DNA, desiring to be turned loose. Men are boys in training. We must help to shape, cultivate, and mold the aggressiveness of a boy. And boys are aggressive by nature, and there's nothing wrong with it. Today we try to hold them down. Today we try to say no. We need to, we need to let them express that stuff, but express it in a godly manner. Teach them how to be aggressive properly. And there's a proper way to do that. Which of these men do you want turned loose on your world? The one society, the media, and technology teaches, or the one taught and molded by a godly father or the godly men of the church. It's a story about a Cherokee Indian and his son. And he's talking about the evils and the good. And the bottom line is, it says, the boy asks, which one, which wolf will win in this battle? And the old man says, it's the one we feed. It's the one we feed. So if we allow society to feed our boys... Society's going to win. But if we have got, as godly men, step up and teach him what it's like to be a godly man, then God's going to win. It's our choice. Which wolf is the church going to feed? The question is how do we get the proper ad- attribute out at the proper time? We teach them, train them, and help them through their failures, and most of all, we love them. We get close and rub elbows with them, and we get dirty with them. I sit on my mom and dad's porch with my wife during a campout we hold every year. At this camp, the boys are allowed to be boys. They swim in a pond that's 50 degrees when it's pouring down rain. They fish, explore, and even get muddy. They feel the mud squash between their feet and their toes. They kiss fish. My wife asked me, sitting on that porch, why do you allow the boys to do what they are doing? And I told her that's what boys love to do. And they have other boys and men right beside them getting wet and muddy at the same time. Shelly said the the mothers wouldn't like it if they witnessed what the boys are doing. And I told her that's why they're not invited to the camp (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're not invited. They can come to a council fire, but they can't come to the camp camp out. (laughs) I promised my parents one thing. I'll bring your kids home safe. You know, you may have to wash your clothes. I brought a van full of boys home in their underwear one time because they were too muddy to sit in the van. (laughs) And we had a great time. A great time. There is a distinct difference between how girls and boys learn. This is what a girl envisions when someone mentions edible arrangement. (coughs) Very nice and healthy, but it's not what a boy or men envision when they hear edible arrangement. That's a guy's version of an edible arrangement right there. I'm telling you all about it. (laughs) Oh, man. Boys learn by proximity or community. Small boy becomes a big man through the influence of a big man who cares about small boys. Rubbing elbows, getting dirty with them, allowing them to try things. Making sure they have an opportunity to do it. Rubbing elbows, trial and errors, getting dirty together with other boys and men. Sometimes they argue and even get into little fights once in a while. This is what molds them. That's what builds character. What they really want is a friend. Boys want to do, not sit. They want to tear things apart, put them back together, reading the instructions later, only if they need them or if they haven't thrown them away already. (laughs) which normally is the first thing we do when we open a box. We throw the instructions away. It shouldn't matter how slowly a child learns as long as we are encouraging them not to stop. It doesn't matter how many mistakes they make. It doesn't matter how slow they are. We have got to continue to encourage. No one left behind. You've heard it in the service. It's the same thing in the ranger's. No boy left behind. Let's see. Boys want the challenge. Boys want challenges. Challenges that make them think on their own and will build character and lead to success and sometimes failure. We focus too often on the failure. We focus too often on the failure. Failure is only a lesson That leads to success. Failure, when looked at properly, only means that I won't do it that way again. Boys and men don't want it easy with all the answers provided for them. They want to be able to think outside the box to solve the puzzle and achieve success on their own or or with the help of a friend. Success isn't always what you see. Surface is always one thing, but you don't know the depth. You don't know the depth, guys. Reaction is a boy's, or recreation is a boy's work. Why walk through a stream when I could jump it? Wade through it, or swing across it? Better yet, double dog dare my friend to do it and laugh at him when he falls in. That's what boys do. Why buy a plastic sword when I can make one out of sticks? Why ride around a mud puddle when I can go through it? Why sit inside when it's raining, when I could be outside having fun and exploring? That's what a young boy should be seeing in his reflection. And the reflection should be the men of God and his father encouraging him to be that, that grown adult tiger. Allow him to see his vision. I could go on and on how boys create and and conquer things, but I think you get the the drift. The question is, what is the church's responsibility, or better yet, what are the men of the church going to do about it? Men sit in their pews and say, "I'm not qualified. I have nothing to offer. I don't have time. I'm boring." These are all excuses that allow men to sit comfortably in their seats to avoid what God has required of them. Every man has something to offer to avoid. The problem is men are afraid to step out or that they'll fail. Remember the definition of failure? Failure is an opportunity to succeed. And worse yet, or that they or <coughs> men are afraid they will like it and God will get a hold of them if they volunteer. I started going to Northwest Assembly of God, now Radiant Life Church. I came from a conservative Baptist church with no Pentecostal upbringing or experience. I attended that church for two months when one of the commanders asked me to set in on a Trailblazer outpost meeting. I set in on it. He asked me to come back the next week. I came back the next week and he handed me all the books and said, it's yours. Walked out of the room and left me with the trailblazer outpost. Remember, I'm two months into a Pentecostal church, never heard of Royal Rangers before. But you know what? God had a calling. God had a calling. That was 29 years ago. 29 years ago. And he's still calling me to rangers.
1: Amen.
2: All I know is that I serve a big God and he never let me down. Never. <clears throat> See, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Absolutely. And if you're man enough to allow him to do that, he can take you anywhere he wants to. But you've got to be man enough. God tells us in Matthew 28, 19, 20 that we are to make disciples. Make disciples that requires moving. John fifteen, sixteen, you do not choose me, but I chose you. Requires faith. John or three John one through uh, one four. Have no greater joy to hear my children than to hear my children are walking in truth. This requires teaching. Isaiah fifty nine twenty one. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, who is in you, will not depart from you. Requires faith. Requires trust. Joel one three tells our children and uh, tells your uh, tells it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Requires transferring knowledge, guys. That's what we're here for. All of that takes action. We can't do that sitting in a pew anywhere. We've got to get out of the pew and we've got to take action. All of these scriptures talk about proximity and rubbing elbows together and getting dirty, laughing and crying together, allowing mistakes to be made and teaching how to correct them, allowing boys to to see you make a mistake. Guys, don't be so big that you can't admit you've made a mistake. Don't be that big. Boys want a mentor, a friend, a man to listen to them, not judge them. It's not about awards, it's about community. Boys want something to go on, someone to go on the journey with them. They want a friend they can trust, to listen to, to cheer them on, to show them concern, compassion when needed, and brave enough to correct them when it's needed as well you have to be a friend to make a friend are you that friend we need to let the boy let them be boys and sometimes we need to be boys with them teaching and training them to get ready for the role of provider defender and protector the future head of his own household I did think about quitting one time, and I forgot about the call, and I thought, you know, it'd be easier just to walk away, but doggone it, there was a boy that came to my memory, and I said, I can't, I can't walk away, there's still one more, and there's always going to be one more. Think of a role model that you had that influenced you, or influences you even today. I had several. My father taught me many life lessons. Didn't always like the way he taught them. Dad was hard on us, but he he did the best he could do. Dad's dad died when he was a young boy. And no man stepped up to be a mentor to my dad. So he did everything he could to be the best father and best husband he could. Yeah, he made a lot of mistakes. But he did the best he could. How much better could he have done if a man would have stepped up? How much better? Tom Cody, my first boss, I work construction. lot of character. Tom stood six foot five, weighed 350, and when I shake his hand, I don't have a small hand, but he can make my hand disappear. That's how big of a man he was, just a huge man. Tom would come to the job site that I was running and jump my case for doing something wrong. He wouldn't tell me how to fix it. He'd just tell me that it better be fixed before he returned. And he'd leave. You know, I was a young guy back then, just starting to run work. I was 23 years old, you know, still wet behind the ears. I'd get mad, frustrated, irritated, and a few other emotions that I can't share with you. (laughs) I would correct the work to the best of my knowledge, and Tom would return that same day and critique my work. Tom always returned to make sure I was okay. Not necessarily the work, but he wanted to make sure I was okay. He would look at, at what I had done and say, "You know that'll work, but did you think about doing it this way? Always teaching. Always concerned. He would end up we would end up going to dinner where we talked and laughed together. Dom died a month after my son was born. The first stop we made on the way home from the hospital with my son was at Tom's house. And I put my son in his arms. A month later, he died.
1: That man touched my life.
2: That man made a difference. And that's our job, to make a difference. I want to share you a little bit about a, a young man named Jason who came to church. I was teaching the uh, trail ranger class at that time, and uh, first night, Jason came and uh, came into class. Mom brought him into class, and his mom said, come in, Aaron, can I talk to you for a minute? And she, we left the class, I went out in the hallway, and she said, uh, I want to let you know, Jason doesn't read very well,
1: and uh, I don't want you
2: having him read aloud in class. And I said, well, I can't promise you that. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to promise you. Jason will be reading in my class. But I can promise you one thing. He won't be made fun of, and he won't be ridiculed. So as Jason started reading, I would help help him with words that he struggled with. And over a very short period of time, I didn't have to do that anymore because the guys beside him were gone. Jason graduated from college, owns his own construction business. I can't take the credit for all that, but I had a small part in Jason's success. Guys, that's our job. See, because this is our problem. <coughs> if we don't teach our children who God is, someone else is going to teach them who God is not. Look at that. Burn that into your memory. Because that's what society is doing to us. Johnny Barnes told us a man never stands so tall as when he stoops to help a boy. That's our job,
3: guys. So real quick, we'll go back to a question that usually in this type of city would have been asked first. But let me see a show of hands who have never heard of rangers. Show of hands that don't have rangers in their church. Um, th- this class is de- was designed to, to give you some insight to the value of Raw Rangers in a church. But it, you don't have to have a program to hug a boy. You don't have to have a, a program to mentor a boy. Um, Rangers is, is, a, is a program that is, I can't even put into words the value. And I know as a leader, I probably get more out of it than I did as a boy. Um, And we just want to share one thing, and I want you you to take a picture of those. uh, Just burn that image in your mind of those four boys. There's excitement on their face. There's a sense of accomplishment on their face. And those four boys are are a group of of 12. There's a group of 12 that just graduated our Ohio Training Academy back in, in last June. And one of the things that we do in the Ohio District is that we have what we call the Academy. Designed for boys and Discovery Rangers, which is uh, third grade and up, where they go for a week away from home, away from mom and dad. They learn to camp, they learn to cook, they get dirty, and then they get hooked and want to come back every year. And they grad when they graduate camp, which is that first camp, they get a tomahawk with their name engraved on it. They get that sense of accomplishment let me tell you, when that boy goes into school and tells his buddies, hey, I just earned this tomahawk, and here's how I did it, it's contagious. Then they come back to what is the actual academy. They go through a series of five camps, and it's all leadership development. And at the end of that five camps, they earn a Calvary saber with their name and their favorite scripture verse in, in it, engraved in it. And they can wear that with their uniform. And they become an academy graduate of the Ohio District Roar Rangers. And then we turn them loose to be mentors at the age of 17, 16, 18. And that's what it's designed to do. And then this year we're starting a brand new academy track for the leaders that you can go through that and earn your Solomon sword. That doesn't have your name engraved in it, but it's a pretty sharp sword and pretty cool looking. <laughs> but it's that sense of accomplishment. And I picked this picture on purpose. Those four boys, there was a group of 12 of them, and that's at our powwow. And we told them, guys, part of your service, because this is their last camp, it's called the Academy Service Camp. And we trained them to be altar workers, and they work with our boys. They work with men. I've seen those boys go up to a man and, and pray with him, and that's powerful.
2: It's humbling as a man
3: to have four teenagers come up and lay hands on you and pray for you. It's powerful. And this is what we train our boys to do. And that's the value of rangers. We're not just training them to be men. We're training them to go out and be servant leaders. The job of Royal Rangers is to empower, equip, and evangelize the next generation of servant leaders. So I have some information on the academy. Feel free to take it. If your church doesn't have rangers and you want rangers, We'll put you into contact with the area leader your, your, where your section's at, or we'll help you. Commander Hunt's my father-in-law. I'll volunteer his time because he usually volunteers mine. And He's not here to defend himself. And yes, that is on tape, just so you know. Um, but that's the power of having a program that instills that into young men. Hopefully you can see the passion that we have and the passion and the and the, and the value of it, just from Jeremiah and I's experience being products of Rangers. And there's a few other Ranger boys in here that, that I've seen grow up in Rangers. Um, there's lots of stories. And you can be the one to help write that next story. So, Jeremiah's got one thing to close, but thank you guys and, and ladies for your attention. And if we can ever be of any uh, help, please let us know. So
0: one last thing real fast here. We're running out of time real quick. Um, just talking about the value. I saw this actually when I went to family camp last summer. I think it was uh,
1: Children's Ministries
0: Director, Stacy Petty, I think, right? She used this illustration, but I thought it fit perfectly when we think about Royal Rangers and the value of mentoring young men. But when you think about from the time a child is born until they turn 18, right? How much time you have to influence and guide their life? And they say 936 weeks, which I illustrate this for you with the jar. So there's a jar, 936 weeks from birth to 18 years old. That's how many weeks we have to influence them for Christ. And you can see the breakdown there on the slide. But when you get to age 9, which I have an 8-year-old who's going to be 9 in May, there's a jar filled with 468. So now think about that too for boys in our churches, right? How many 9-year-old boys? Whoops, I'm hitting the slides here. How many nine-year-olds do we have? Right, we think a lot of time left yet until they are an adult. But there's not much time. And then when you get to age 16, there's 104 weeks. Which when I was putting these together, I was like, wow, you know, it really kind of hit me how much time you have. And then the last jar, within any year, we say 52 weeks. Now you can take out that last jar. You count sports activities. I'm talking about them showing up for a Wednesday night service, or you know, for for church or whatever, for discipleship and things that Royal Rangers take out sports activities, unexpected sicknesses, travel, vacations, things that just happen, and it really ends up being about forty weeks a year, right? So you think about a Royal Ranger service hour, hour and a half, so that's about forty, maybe fifty hours in a year to influence them for Christ, and so. You know we know Satan's playing for keeps, right? So the time, the time is limited. The time is short. So I saw a really neat illustration when you see it, it's like wow, okay, kind of really speaks to you. So yeah, you guys have any questions or anything? I know we got hand. If you want any academy info, I also have mm-hmm. a thing on forty six one, which is like the uh, what they teach there. At, I'm going to do it, the tap that. Uh, one of the camps at the academy, TASC, which is like crisis intervention training. We got to—they teach for that too. If you're interested, just to kind of see what's being taught and so forth. But, um, is any questions or anything? All the handouts you guys are free to take. It's all yours. So, we appreciate everybody
2: coming. Good. All
1: right, cool.